Welcome to another episode of Horrifying My Friends. You don't hear horror host Trav right now, you hear producer Kate, and that is because I am doing Horrifying the Host this time. Travis, welcome. Hello. And I couldn't have done this episode without my mom, Sherry Hagen. Hello. She introduced me to the film we're going to be talking about today. And it's one of our favorites, and we watch it often. But before I introduce the film, um, if you haven't listened to the Bone Tomahawk episode, that was mom's debut on the show. But mom loves all things macabre. She is a content expert in a lot of random stuff. (laughs) Uh, So mom, tell us a little bit about like, when did you first see this movie? Obviously, you didn't see it for the first time with me. No, so I didn't. Uh, tell us about like your discovery of this <laughs> I, movie. And I discovered your... this movie when it was only on TV. There were no D- VHS. There was no DVDs. They played the movie. And of course, mom was a big fan of it. So I got introduced to the black and white on the TV, probably before even AMC was a thing. And I just remember watching it and, and, just to this day, I, I like, I scream charge like Teddy, <laughs> you know, in the movie. And I, I still quote things from this movie. And yeah. I, I think I always will. It's just how it is. Yeah, this movie is really cool. I watch it probably twice a year. I do love it too. That was one of the things that I first uh, really noticed about you guys. Like when I met all the family, this was like back in 07. Um, but you guys used to watch like The Court Jester and like all these other movies. <laughs> And I hadn't had a big, um, still haven't really, like, besides, like, some of the horror stuff, but even some of the horror stuff I haven't really, I I don't have a huge background on from that era, like, the 40s, the 40s and stuff. But that was one of the first things that I noticed about you guys, like, for sure. Yeah, we love a good black and white. We love a good vintagey movie. Just vintage, yeah. yeah. The humor is, it's just, it's classic cinema. I don't know what to, that's, I yeah. guess, the only way to and, describe it. And I do love, I, I, mom used to watch a lot of Catherine Hepburn stuff with me too, back in the day. And I just do love a transatlantic accent, <laughs> which you hear a little bit in this one from Cary Grant. He has a bit of that accent yes. too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the movie that we are discussing today that we all watched, if you didn't know this, it is on the American Film Institute's two 2000s like the millennium 2000 list of the top 100 funniest american movies and it's 1994's dark halloween comedy directed by frank capra arsenic and old lace charge (laughs) (laughs) so uh before we get into our discussion as per usual on the on the pod uh, i'll give a synopsis and i'll run through some fun facts that i found and my mom also has a fair share, I think, of her own fun facts that she found that I didn't find. So she is going to just throw those in there as we go. The synopsis of this film goes as such. Mortimer Brewster, who's played by Cary Grant, is a famous bachelor known for his books about how marriage sucks, basically. He's just like a bachelor. He's always said he's going to be a bachelor for life. He's also a film critic. Or, sorry, not a film. 
play critic. And ironically, he has fallen in love with the girl who lives next door to his aunt's house where he grew up. Uh, her name is Elaine. And Mortimer and Elaine. Elaine is played by Priscilla Lane. Uh, and this is like one of her last roles, I think. Like oh, she was one of the four was, Lane sisters. Yeah, this is like her last big role, I think. But anyway, uh, they get married down at the courthouse and return to their family homes in Brooklyn to share the news. So Josephine Hull and Gina Dare play Mortimer's eccentric aunts the who live together, Abby and Martha. They're single ladies that <laughs> um, also take care of his older brother who has a mental condition who believes basically that he is Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> they call him Teddy. I don't know if that's his real name, but he goes by Teddy. And then Mortimer makes a gruesome discovery while there um, about his sweet, innocent aunts who everyone in town knows and loves. And it's basically a dead body in the window seat. <laughs> and that's <laughs> and uh his discovery of that dead body sets sets a basically a hilarious and macabre kind of chain of events in motion that are only made worse by the appearance of jonathan his uh dangerous and ill-intentioned brother who has been estranged and nobody's seen him for years and he just shows up on halloween night when <laughs> when Mortimer happens to be there. Jonathan is played by Raymond Massey, which I think uh, will come into play with some of the fast facts coming up. And Peter Laurie. Yeah, Peter Laurie. Yeah, Peter Laurie plays Dr. Einstein, who is Jonathan's like sidekick slash personal plastic surgeon who just like follows him <laughs> around and changes his face every time he commits these gruesome crimes. Yeah, Jonathan is also escaped from a uh, <laughs> an asylum of some sort. You find out much later in the movie, but that is essentially the... The plot of the movie, and I'm sure we'll get to lots of the scenes and details, but before that, I'm going to get some, to some fun facts. I know um, and Travis might have a, a different opinion than Mom and I on this film on a, on a few things, but I'm hoping that some of these fun facts will uh, no. will strike you fancy. Yeah. So this movie is based, uh, was inspired by the serial killer Amy Archer Gilligan. She was the most, she is the most prolific American female serial killer um, and has been cited as the inspiration, again, for the play. Yas Queen. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so she was charged with the poisoning deaths of her two husbands and was allegedly responsible for the deaths of 66 other elderly people in her nursing home. Oh my. And she poisoned them with arsenic. Yeah, and nice. arsenic, arsenic and, and strychnine. And, strychnine yeah. and they called the newspapers called her home for elderly and infirm. Yeah, <laughs> the murder factory. Yeah, Holy shit. she called them like inmates or something. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, she was found guilty in 1917 and then pleaded insanity in her appeal uh, to get her sentence lightened because she was sentenced to death after her first conviction. And in her appeal, she was like, "I'm insane." And then they were like, "Okay, you just stay in prison for the rest of your life." Um, so that is who, that's probably a better move than uh, going to the mental asylum back in those yeah. days. Back in those days, <laughs> yeah, they'd have, they'd have drilled your head probably. <laughs> well, they might have sent her to an asylum. I'm not sure. I didn't look that up. But <laughs> so arsenic and old lace. I mentioned. I alluded to it being a play. It was a play before it was ever a film. And the filmmakers weren't actually allowed to release it. They had filmed it and had it ready, but they weren't allowed to release it until the play had finished its run on Broadway. And it's just so So they made fact. it in 1941, but couldn't release it until 1944. Mm-hmm. And Frank Capra had to make the movie in 41. And their first um, choice was Bob Hope, mm-hmm. but he was doing the military mm-hmm. shows. And since he had to make it in a timely fashion, they went with Cary Grant and he had to do that because he had to report for military duty for World War, World War II. 
Yeah. Be- so that's so why Cary- they couldn't release it until 44. Yeah. So Cary Grant, this is like a fun fact about Cary Grant. He actually considers his acting in this film to be over the top. And he has even said in interviews that he thought Alan Jocelyn or James Stewart would have been better. Mm-hmm. So Julius Epstein is one of the screenwriters of this film. And he thought Cary Grant pulled too many faces, <laughs> uh, which is, oh is he, he did definitely did. Over the years, when you watch as many times as I have, you you you've come to find it charming and less like annoying. <laughs> but anyway, Julius Epstein actually later said that Frank Capra intended to go back and rein in the broadest scenes with Cary Grant and like re- reshoot some of them and tone him down a little bit. But near the end of principal photography, the Japanese attacked the U S at Pearl Harbor and Capra was eager to move on to his military assignment. So he actually never got to retake those scenes interesting mm-hmm. and then so it was never done and Cary Grant actually this is I think that shows Cary Grant as like a humble dude like the fact that he has said like this and the, listen this wasn't my best performance like I was over the top and he probably wishes he could have reshot a lot of those scenes but he also donated at least a hundred thousand dollars of his salary from this movie to the war efforts That's cool. yeah. so he's he was a really cool oh yeah good guy so something else about the actors and actresses in this film aunt abby and aunt martha and teddy the the actors that played those roles actually got they originated them on broadway and they got to leave their broadway contract to play these roles in the film um what's funny is that the evil brother jonathan's character was written written in the screenplay and in the play itself to to look like Boris Karloff due to a botched mm-hmm. surgery. And Boris Karloff actually played the role on Broadway. Mm-hmm. So that like that mm-hmm. it was insanely popular because of that. And because he was the star of the, the yeah, play. And it was hilarious because Boris Karloff was playing a guy who had a botched surgery to look like <laughs> Boris Karloff. Um, <laughs> and he actually was pretty pissed that he didn't get to be in the film. He was not released from his contract on Broadway because they didn't want to lose the revenue from broad- the Broadway show. Yeah, they let they let them all, all the rest of them, mm-hmm. go to do it. <laughs> but he was the star attraction. They actually had uh, uh, another actor, they said, uh, Humphrey Bogart. They were like, let him come in while, while he goes in and makes the movie. And they were like, nope. Ooh, I love Humphrey Bogart. He's like one of my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Karloff did Frank, because I think Frankenstein was like 31 or something, something like that. And then the, he did Bride, of course. And then he was in, wasn't he in, um, uh, they're going to take my horror card for this, but he was in uh, Elvis and Costello, wasn't he? Meets Frankenstein. Boris Karloff? Yeah. I, I would think so. I yeah, think I th- so. I believe so, I think so as well. So he was probably like wanting to get out of that kind of stuff and get into more of this kind of stuff. More than likely. He did seem to get typecast for a while. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I only have two more little fun facts. So, Mom, if you have some, go ahead and throw them them in. So, the Production Code Administration, the PCA, was actually concerned that that unstable audience members, like people who have viewed this film, may try to replicate the recipe that the Brewster sisters (laughs) tell Mortimer (laughs) that they use to kill people. First of all, it's in a gallon of elder, homemade elderberry wine, uh, and they put arsenic, strychnine, and cyanide in cyanide, it. Cyanide, yes. Uh. <laughs> How did we not know that? <laughs> I was uh, one of the things that even as a kid when I watched this, I remember thinking, you know, one of the comments in there was when he says, uh, "Insanity runs in my family." It practically gallops. Yeah. So <laughs> that's my favorite line of the movie. Of course, it is everybody's quote, but. I remember back in the day asking mom, you know, insanity. Mm-hmm. What what do they mean? And she sort of explained it. So then, of course, as I get a little bit older, I do psychology in school, that kind of thing. I'm like, oh, let's delve into this. 
And so that's one of the things, the the level of mental illness portrayed in this movie, they probably didn't even have names for these things back then. Yeah. Like, I think Martha and Abby basically have a, it's it's a Christ complex, a savior complex. Yeah. You know, um, of course... And they've got to be some level of sociopathic to, or like, it, well, <laughs> psychopathic exactly. I to... mean, Jonathan's a, a, a murderer, a oh, psychopath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Teddy's got, I think, what is it? Isolated. <laughs> I can't remember what he's got. He's got like an isolated personality de- delusion. It's yeah. what it's called, isolated delusion. Because they, because they say that they can convince him to be other people in history, like George <laughs> they, Washington. Like they, they tried, but, but it just he, didn't work. Yeah, he just gets depressed. He just prefers to be Teddy yes. Roosevelt. <laughs> yes. And then you, you hear in the movie too, like how Jonathan says, you know, well, Aunt Aunt Abby, you have your, you know, Aunt Martha. One of them has you wear your high collar from from where you know fathers, you know, acid burns you and things like that. And they're just all so macabre. And I'm like. They must have suffered yeah, horrible abuse at the hands yeah, of the Yeah, there was some dark, dark stuff like underneath the surface. There, oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. Really. It really <laughs> yeah. was. It's crazy. There's definitely some family trauma <laughs> going on there. Uh, so my last little tidbit, and I'm interested to know when we get to talking about scenes and the ending and stuff. Uh, so, Trav, keep that in the back of your head when we get there. Um, I want to know your opinion on what you think would have been better here. So the ending of this film is different from the play's ending. So in the film that we all watch, the ants and Teddy happily go to Happydale Sanitarium, which is apparently like the Cadillac of sanitariums, you know, <laughs> like it's uh, a lovely place to be, uh, which with asylums, I think we all know back then no. they were not the place <laughs> to be. <laughs> but anyway, and but they, this is kind of like a rich family. They the the ants were left a big sum of money when their father passed and when their whoever passed. Um, but anyway, in the play, the ants actually poison the man who was taking them to the sanitarium, and that's how it ends. Mm-hmm. So I think Dr. Gilchrist, yeah, got the which, which you know goes against their their ethos in the movie, mm-hmm. which is that they only kill men like sad, lonely basically men. sad, lonely men who have nothing in the world, nothing quote unquote in their estimation, nothing to live for. So, so that you... would be against what they've told everyone. So that that's a much more sinister take on on them they must have like i think it would have for a play that would have played better for an ending yeah for sure and they i mean i think it shows that they were manipulating people the whole they were manipulating mortimer the whole time do you why do you think they changed that did you explain why they changed the ending or they they i don't think that there's like an there's no quotes that i could find Mm -hmm. um about why they did it but there but there are several things that they didn't include because it would have been too taboo, I think. And this this movie's got a lot of taboos in it, but this it just would have gone too far for the audiences at the time. Well, it's like, it's like cause um, again, Mortimer they, finds out he's illegitimate. Yeah. And in the play, he says, I'm a bastard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because of the censors and everything of the time, he mm-hmm. couldn't say that in the movie. So there's a lot of things that didn't make it from one to the other. And this yeah. may be reaching. Do you think, like, because of the war and stuff like that, do you think that they chose a like a uh, like a more to go more of a comedic approach um, due to that fact? I think like the maybe... whole play was very comedic. Uh-huh. Oh, it's um, straight up a comedy. Yeah, it's always straight up satirical whole thing. But I think the ending just wouldn't have carried over as well because Cary Grant at that time 
was the movie star in that movie. Mm-hmm. So, so it was more about the ending became more about his character than theirs. Mm-hmm. But I could see how with a play, their ending would have played better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with that, mom, did you have any other fun facts? Um, that I didn't just uh, that if you look in the cemetery, I think it's when he is standing with Elaine out there, and you look at one of the headstones. It actually actually says Archer Leach, and Archie Leach is Cary Grant's real name. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? So that's on the on the tombstone, oh, I which I thought was really cool. I didn't know that. Oh wait. The- um, didn't the woman who played Aunt Martha, she, she actually like nursed him to help. Like they were on a yes, different project together different and he movie. came, came down with some fever um, and she like nursed him back to health. And then Josephine Hull yeah. was Aunt Abby. She was also, she was nominated for an Oscar for this movie, but she won, I know, I don't think, but she won an Oscar for Harvey with James Stewart. So mm-hmm. she was in that, uh, like Gina Dare, mm-hmm. she played Aunt Martha she was on the Broadway and the movie, but she was like Rebecca Nurse in The Crucible. Mm-hmm. So there's all these things that when you go in and you look at the actors, it's like, holy, holy shit. You know, they were in all these <laughs> movies and they won like, you know, Capper won a, an Academy Award for this for this movie. When I was going and looking at the characters and the actors, I found one of these actors is named Jack Carson. Mm-hmm. He was uh, Officer O'Hara mm-hmm. in there. He's always, he's one trying to sell his play, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so but funny. he was actually a radio show host on mm-hmm. CBS before that. <laughs> um, he later did the co- comedy work with like Doris Day, Bob Hope, Bing Crosby. He was in Bringing Up Baby, which is also one of Love Kate and I's favorite mm-hmm. movies. Um, Mildred Pierce. Have a, not seen. A Mildred Pierce, <laughs> A Star is Born, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. So he was in all a lot of really famous movies, and he did over ninety four films, and almost ha- most of those were uncredited roles. Mm-hmm. The guy who plays Doctor Gilcrest is Chester Clute. He was in over two hundred and thirty films. Oh yeah. Could, so you got Cary Grant, who was in so many, like thirty or however many it was, mm-hmm. but they're very notori- no- Big, notable. Notable. Yeah. Because he was in Hitchcock stuff. Two hundred and thirty like, films. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the, he's that actor you always go, I recognize him. What was he in? Yeah, and I knew oh, he's him. He's in everything. You just don't know who he yeah, is. Yeah, same with Peter Lorre. He's been in like a Be- million things. See, and that's the note. That's one of the notes that I had was that he was the, like I knew Cary Grant from uh, North by Northwest and mm-hmm. some other stuff that he did later on. I think this was like the 50s. But uh, Peter Lorre was an actor that I was really familiar with. Oh, the from, Maltese Falcon. Oh, yeah, the Maltese Falcon, M, the man who t- knew too much. Yeah. And uh, Casablanca, Casablanca, which is one of my favorites. Crime and Punishment. He was really good in Crime and yeah, Punishment, Yeah, but he's just, he's one of those, like, genre guys. Like, he was, and I'll save this other fact for later, but he was one of the guys that I was, like, immediately struck and, stricken with in this movie because he looks genre <laughs> like oh, it's yeah. like if he was yeah. nowadays he would be working in horror and stuff yeah his looks his sci-fi voice, his, the way yeah. he walks everything i was also shocked at how many um mysteries and thrillers were released in 1944 mm-hmm. gaslight was in 1944 mm-hmm. the, the the canterville ghost laura which is a murder mystery mm-hmm. which gaslighting they actually they kind of do that in the new. Have you it's, seen it's, the new Invisible Man? Yeah, yeah. They kind of exactly. do that kind of thing. There's quite a few one. movies yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, the Curse of the Cat People, which I don't know if oh, you've yeah. seen, Travi, but I'm just saying, Double Indemnity is an awesome movie. In case oh, yeah. you haven't seen that, House of Frankenstein, which has Boris Karloff in it. See, you're getting to more of like uh, my. 
like the yeah. the double anonymity. Phantom Lady, Murder My Sweet. I was the noir. Sh- when you look yeah. when you look at the movies in '44. Yeah, there are a few, I think Black Velvet or something was out, mm-hmm. you know, some horse movie or Blue Ribbon or whatever it was. Elizabeth <laughs> Taylor, I don't Blue know, Ribbon. it was a horse movie. But there was a few of those. But I was shocked at how many competing movies were with Arsenic and Old Lace because mm-hmm. they were sort of in that all, all in that same, yeah. you know, And Arsenic type. took some Oscars, I'm pretty sure, too. Mm-hmm. It took, uh, yeah. Frank, uh, director. Lots and lots of fun facts. I think you probably find this a lot with any night movie from the 1940s, oh, yeah. but... Um, Travis, let's get your first impressions. So I liked the movie. I did not love it. So I think, (laughs) so I think a lot of the problem that I have with this though, I think you, the fast facts in this episode were actually like really, really amazing because it actually like made a lot of sense to me. Like that Cary Grant would look back. Like I, I'm not sure about comedies from this era. Like I don't like the, uh, like, um, (laughs) I thought some of that shit was so cheesy. Like when he would look at the camera and be like. And like, yeah. you know, like make eyes a big would get face. really big. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So some, of course, some of my, and we'll get into like my favorite scenes and stuff, but, and my favorite characters, but as you can probably guess, they were of the darker origin. Like, yeah, the, <laughs> the characters are more darker origin in the story. But yeah, I liked it. And see, that's the thing. I don't have a big background, but I, I do like films from this era. Like one of my favorite days and um, I used to take a film class at IUPY, and we watched Casablanca, and we watched, and that was my introduction to Humphrey Bogart. And I was like, holy fuck, this dude is like, has an amazing presence. Did you watch I, Queen of the Nile, too? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We watched also another actor that I absolutely love is Orson Welles, mm-hmm. and we watched Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. And that movie blew me away. So, like... That was like my introduction kind of to, because like I said, we didn't grow up with like, like we grew up with like Frankenstein and stuff, but we didn't grow up with classic film so much as classic horror. I remember when I was, when I was a kid, I was at this seventh, seventh grade, I had somebody bought me a book for my birthday. I wanted it so bad. It was a big, thick, hardcover. And it was each page had each horror movie like Bella Lugosi and all these different Frankensteins and all the monsters it was, so I was into that from the beginning, but mm-hmm. but some of these old movies, there are certain actors that really catch you from the time period. The facial expressions and the quippy comments and all that, that was the classic cinema of oh, that yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, we look at Bob Hope movies, look at we look at any of the, the, the mm-hmm. fun movies back then. They were sort of all that way. Mm-hmm. But like you had mentioned, you know, Bogart, Jimmy Stewart, Gary Cooper, all their movies are, are just they're great movies and there's very few that are bad. Yeah. So that was like kind of my background. I, I did like it though. Like I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it with you guys. I will say one other note on Susan Kane. I was surprised that I hadn't like heard of the twist in the movie. That's what blew me away the most. But <laughs> anyway, that'll be, we'll save that for the later <laughs> Citizen Kane podcast. But yeah, I liked it like generally. Good. I'm I'm glad you liked it. I think this one also tends to grow on people. I think the thing I liked so much about it was that it was funny. Mm-hmm. It had all the the humor, the looks, the jokes, and all that. But it was very very dark. That's yeah, I mean you you, you took the two and put them together. You can't get a better movie than this putting the two together. It's, yeah, it did a really good job. But if you honestly imagine like a dramatic version of this story. It's really messed up. 
Oh like, yeah, oh, absolutely. I think Hollywood could make a TV show out of arsenic and oil, <laughs> or like a movie. Well, they tried. They tried to do a TV show. They it did didn't work yeah, back in the day. Oh, before I, my one time. of my notes. Before your time, yeah, way <laughs> but they back could, then. If they, yeah, they if, did try. Yeah, if they made it not a comedy, like it could be really freaky. One of my notes is I want the more satanic version of this. Yeah, <laughs> like the old women are you like kind of like Lords of Salem, where the old women are like that. You know, oh, it, yeah, it, where they're like overtly evil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting. It really would. It would be a really good movie, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you got to have the ants tottering around the way she totters, you know, teeter-totters oh around. And... Let, I mean, let's talk about the acting. I, we've, we've covered Cary Grant. We don't need to say anything more about his performance. But I think a lot of, like, the, the ants and Jonathan and Peter Lorre and even the cops, like, stole this movie from, like, for me. Yeah, tell me, Trav and, and Mom, like, what do you think of the acting? Like, who was your favorite character? So my two favorite characters were Jonathan and Dr. Einstein. Yeah. It reminded me of me and Gonzo at work. <laughs> Gonzo, of course, would be the Dr. Einstein. But I loved the presence of Jonathan. Like, Jonathan seemed like he was almost in a different movie. It seemed like he was in kind of like a more horror movie because of his presence and, like, frame and very seriousness, like a Boris Karloff. He brought, he he brought like the, the movie tall man. from being yeah. the, the quips and the, and the faces to... His his voice was very monotone, you know, like creepy. Well, and they did bring in more sinister music for everything. Yeah, and they it's it's hilarious. So in this movie, they show a scene where like before Jonathan's even in the movie at all, Mortimer is and his his aunt are looking for something, and she comes across a photo of Jonathan as a baby, Uh, (laughs) and they show this picture of Jonathan. He looks like. A little mongoloid baby or like something. His eyes are crossed, <laughs> and um, and the aunt is just like they're both. They're all just like oh, oh, they have this like horrible reaction to it, and then they're talking about how horrible Jonathan was like as a kid, like how weird and creepy and mean, and you know he was mean to Mortimer, uh, and you find out later he admits to like having done some actual torture to Remember Mortimer. when I stuck like, the sticks in your fingernails? Yeah, he stuck needle. He tied him to a bed and stuck needles under his fingernails. Like, that's pure torture. But anyway, um, I, what the funny line is, um, Aunt Abby, I think, says, oh, yes, Jonathan used to cut worms in two with his teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like, Ugh. but she says it so straight faced. It's not like you know she's trying to make a joke or anything. It was just so funny. Yeah, just like matter of fact. Just, oh, go ahead. See, I want to see the movie of Jonathan and the Doctor on the Road too. Just the, just sky. the murder spree. Yeah, no, that would be mm-hmm. cool as fuck. Like just Jonathan and him <laughs> going around, and he's like a. Didn't they allude to him being like a Nazi doctor or like Lori, a... Peter Lori? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, this is cool. And you know that you think about it, that had to hit him sort of strangely because he, he left when Hitler came to rise to power. Mm-hmm. That's when Peter Lori left Germany, yeah, and came here. So that was, you know, it was like, hmm. I love the ants. The ants, you know, think of the acting they had to do to to play those characters because that's not who they were mm-hmm. in real life. So to play those simpering, you know, so yeah, dumb, just dumb women. Well, it's but it's almost dumb like, like a fox, like crazy, like a fox. You know, mm-hmm. again, if the ending were like the play where they have been duping everyone this entire time, yeah. but in the movie they end as if they're still these innocent, well-intentioned old ladies who just With have the a Christ do- complex, who, who just are mentally ill. You know, a little mentally ill. They're not actually evil. I mean, they make a point in the 
in the film to show you lots of things especially in the beginning of like how great they are like Mm -hmm. they don't swear they do they're giving toys to they're collecting toys from the house to send to poor kids they are two of the dearest sweetest kindest old ladies <laughs> yeah. that ever walked the earth yeah, yeah at the exactly beginning, those two cops are like walking and talking <laughs> about them yeah so. they'll give anyone a warm meal she she makes <laughs> soup she gives like broth or something to the cop's sick wife and um one of the cops i think the sergeant says if i know what pure kindness is kindness and generosity are it's because i've known the brewsters exactly and it's like <laughs> but they've been killing old men well and- just any man that's alone <laughs> that comes by their house and they're setting up a like a for rent they're they're hunting them but basically they're like come to me they're setting exactly. traps they're like the spider in the web <laughs> type mm-hmm. thing but yeah there are 12 12 bodies in yes. the cellar I it all starts with the one person who died on his own and that's what set things in motion it for did. them. They went on a spree, essentially. But, but uh, it's it's just so strange how you know Teddy has his com- his 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 mental illness, you know, that he thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt. But they so manipulate and use him. Everyone plays they into do. it. Everyone <laughs> yeah. plays into it because I think it's just easier it's to like go Teddy, along with Teddy, you've got to go down and to the Panama and dig another lock. You By know, the way, didn't the that Canal. didn't that actor play Teddy Roosevelt in a few movies? Probably. Or like one or two movies or something. We don't know for sure, but you probably. know what? I think I read something about that. Yeah. Fact check us. Yeah. On that actor. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the whole Teddy thing? Uh, the corny kind corny. of. But... <laughs> oh, Travis, Teddy's one boy, of my favorite. Boy. He's one of my favorite characters. I did like. I did enjoy like the uh, the signature stuff. Like them, they were like he signed it as Teddy Roosevelt, so yeah. he had to go out and get his. <laughs> like I, I enjoyed some of that shit. Down for quotes, you guys were like mentioning quotes earlier. Do you want me to say one of yeah. my favorite quotes? Go ahead. So one of my favorite things was them using simp, and we <laughs> pointed, we actually pointed it out, um, like during the watching. So is, simp for simpleton. <laughs> yeah, which is like actually something. Like we just had my friend Jack on, and he's twenty one. So I tease him a lot about his generation, like how brutal they are and shit. And, and like, that's one of the things, like they all use like simp and like all these other yeah, words. Yeah, they have all these like slang for, to describe men. You know, that had been used before, yeah. mm-hmm. like, you know, almost a hundred years ago or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. And the haircuts, like the haircuts coming back, like uh-huh. in style, oh, which yeah. have been back in style, but you yeah, know. Yeah, like neat, slick. Mm-hmm. kind of haircut yeah in our discussion of like the character we've kind of talked about the story is there anything in the story trav i know you said you you know if, if they made this hardcore you'd like it a lot more but is there anything about the story you think you'd change okay so i can do anything to the story yeah uh i would have changed when it came out so i would have i would have made this during the 60s during the rosemary baby satanic panic era mm-hmm. and i think it would have had it a lot darker like if they would have remade it in the 80s i mean in the 60s i think it would have been a lot darker but you could, you still could have done like nowadays, like you think about like the studio A twenty four. Like I was like, what if they remade this movie and made like a comedy horror movie like out of this, mm. like in the in the style maybe of like or like a Blumhouse in the style maybe of like a like a craft or something like in that kind of style like humor and horror. I'm just telling you, it's gonna have to be pretty damn good <laughs> because mm-hmm. this you is one of those to, yeah, classics you, that you who would just be the love. old women. Jane Fonda, uh, Meryl Streep. No, she's not got that innocent vibe. Oh, it could be that one chick from uh, the Conjuring movies. Is Angela Goldie Hawn? Lady. Goldie Hawn. Angela would Lansbury. Be... Is she still around? I think she old girl dead. I, I think she, she died in the eighties. Uh, uh, Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn would be a good, a good aunt, aunt. Um, 
Aunt Abby, Who the little tottering one. She'd be good at that. I got I got Who? a Kathy Bates and um No, Kathy Bates. No, she doesn't Lynn have that Shea. innocent damn it, Janet. What's her name? Susan Sarandon. Mm-hmm. I think could make a good because yeah, she's got those big doughy eyes. Yeah, like she could probably carry it. <laughs> she could play it. one of them. Yeah, but Goldie Hawn has that too. Make mm-hmm. Blumhouse make Arsenic and Old Lace with Dolly Parton as one of the grandmas. Oh, Dolly Parton would be a hoot. She would be good. <laughs> <laughs> she's funny as hell. I'm sorry. And you say Jane Fonda doesn't have it, but if you watch Nine to Five and you watch those three women. No, Jane with Fonda's... Lily Tomlin, you put them all together. They are some funny ass women. No, I love them. I just don't know if they have that like but the, innocent look. They, <laughs> but here's the thing: they could and Betty the, the playoff that they have together. Oh yeah, we've seen them in already. It would be it would be really really well done. I think. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like hot in Cleveland meets like you know Rosemary. It baby would be so funny. <laughs> yeah, you definitely couldn't remake this film and try to make it like. In the same vein as the original, it would have to it'd have to be a little darker. Yeah, it couldn't be slapstick because yeah. just comedy has changed so much. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think you could get comedy in there. Yeah, I agree. You definitely couldn't make it as like I could see like Jack. Hi! I could see like Jack Black, t- you know, playing Teddy. Mm-hmm. I see him doing Teddy. That would <laughs> yeah. be awesome, you know, because he can be a really good serious actor too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think he could do either one. Yeah, and Cary Grant really does like yell through this whole movie too, which is he like, does. But you know that was that was I think when you look at how many plays were done back in the day, and how films were made, that was I mean sound was not the same. You had to project uh, to the back uh, so row exactly. You had, <laughs> so I get all that, but I, I just I I found everything about this movie it was charming, but at the same time it's a movie that has a lot of humor in it that you can't be just a kid and, and get some of the humor. Yeah. You have to be a little bit older to get some of it. So, oh, yeah. I loved how um, Jonathan, at one point, he's like, oh, he's like, what a joke on my aunts having a body buried in the cellar. It's just so hilarious <laughs> because they have 12 <laughs> fucking bodies and in then, the cellar. And then Jonathan gets pissed because they beat his, they beat his average. Yeah, mm-hmm. he keeps thinking he has the same amount, and Peter Lorre is no Jonathan, no, you can't count that one. Yeah, you only <laughs> have eleven, and he's like, well, then Mortimer, will, you know, he's gonna kill Mortimer after uh-huh. that. So he got to beat his aunts. <laughs> Trav, what were some of your like favorite scenes or like notable scenes? So it, it's not necessarily. I mean, it kind of is a scene, but it's like more of like a storyline. Is the fact mm-hmm. that the doctor is changing Jonathan's face? Like I thought that part was like incredibly badass like how he yeah. was changing faces to avoid capture i was like dude that is like so uh 1940s 50s like like twilight zoney and like uh alfred hitchcock presents kind of storyline mm-hmm. which i actually dug um that made me think of it like a lot of these actors we were talking about how much stuff they worked on back in the day and a lot of them were in like um alfred hitchcock presents mm-hmm. um some tw- i think some twilight zones and some uh, night galleries mm-hmm. the show that he did in uh, yeah. which you're familiar with i oh, know yeah. All for sure but yeah like uh, i love that storyline for sure I, and like, i, 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 I love how how the re- the reason jonathan ended up looking like boris karloff was because dr einstein watched the movie before he did the and surgery. was drunk <laughs> and so he, made, yeah. he made boris karloff <laughs> and like horror back then like it's not like horror back then was super super serious like some of the stuff actually was serious but like horror back then was a lot like this too like there were some characters that were like over the top and you know it was just filmmaking at that point you know 
but I, I'm, I, you know, I'm trying to think about some movies that had the so many mental illnesses in it. Mm-hmm. Um, besides just a murderer or, or Frankenstein or vampire, mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing. Like Gaslight was was one, but mm-hmm. that was about the manipulation and all of that, which was totally great. But to actually address so many different mental illnesses in one oh, movie, yeah. to me was just like, wow, I don't, I don't think I've can't remember any movies from that that right in that time frame that had that yeah and this movie like we've mentioned before is like about not just mental illness but like trauma like family trauma yes. like but you don't get that until you watch it a few times and you're yeah, like damn they must have really suffered at the hands <laughs> yeah it's so strange that mortimer and you find out mortimer's um again he's a bastard like his he's not actually got Brewster blood, if you will. And so he's like, Oh, I'm off the hook. I'm not going to be crazy. Like the rest of the last rest of my yeah, family so he decides he can stay married to Elaine. <laughs> but, but, but the answer being so the worried. only, being the only kind of sane person in his family for so long, like he, the fact that he's so jovial and flippant about a lot of things is like kind of, it's crazy. Like if that were real life, he would not be normal. No, <laughs> no. He would not be normal. Well, I think we saw him, though. We came in on with him where he's he's written the Bachelor Bible in Mind Over Matrimony. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's trying to hide the fact that he's at the marriage license place to get married at City Hall. Well, he's a famous critic. So yes. He doesn't and he, want his reputation. Like, that's his cash cow. Exactly. But so you come in on the high of just getting married. They're going on their honeymoon they're madly in love the whole twitter pated thing they haven't had sex and they can't wait to exactly (laughs) so you got all that so he's already you know the characters are his character is already super excited and all that and you can see as he's walking around the house you know pulling open drawers just sort of being nosy all over the place before he opens the window seat and sees the Mm -hmm. dead guy you know he's he's not he's happy but he wasn't too over the top then but the minute he saw that dead body was like Boom! Way his character just went off the charts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just Very... don't know how you go back to that house ever and be like happy to see your aunties and, da, 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 da. and I know that they were probably always sweet and nice to him, but like he was tortured in that house by his brother. Yeah, like violent torture his yes. whole childhood. <laughs> but, yes, I mean that's that's and the, God knows the what of... experiments in the lab they were doing because you know when yeah. well, Peter Laurie was gonna and Jonathan were gonna use grandfather's laboratory to do his surgery. Yeah, what and the I'm... fuck is that? He's got a lab in the house. He's got what laboratory acid burns on one of the ants. Yeah, I'm we need a saying. prequel to I... find the prequel out. Exactly. <laughs> Talk about horror. That yeah. would be your horror movie right there. The horror movie ending would have been Jonathan takes Mortimer's face and then like marries Elaine. That would be sick. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, wait. Haven't they done a movie like that? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, done a few of those. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was, like, rooting for Jonathan the whole time. I was like, please kill him. I knew you would be. <laughs> I figured please you would be, him. too. I thought I figured Peter Laurie may have been one of your favorites. Yeah, Peter Laurie was awesome. And it, it actually made me look into, like, that's why I'm, like, really glad I watched this. Into Peter actually, Laurie? Yeah, like, I discovered... I haven't watched it yet, but I'm going to watch it called Mad Love from 1935, yeah, yeah, yeah. where he plays uh, Dr. Gogul, mm-hmm. and he looks badass, dude. He like yep. has goggles if on and shit. If you watch it, call me. I will come over and watch it again. Yeah, he it's has such years. an Igor vibe to yeah. him. Yeah. And, and Dr. Uh, I don't think so. Dr. Gogul, his look actually reminds me of uh, Mad City, or uh, Dark City from 90s. 
remember that movie where they sh- change time and shit? Mm-hmm. I where think they're so. living in that city in space? Oh yeah. Have you seen that movie? Mm-mm. That's a random, yeah, a random <laughs> little sci-fi nerd there. So we got off track, which is totally fine because this is fun. <laughs> but um, I wanted to talk about favorite scenes mm-hmm. because there's a lot of I think really fun scenes in this. Let's um, let's start with you and mom. I've given a couple of mine, like the face changing stuff. Um, I really liked. Let's see, I have it written down here. Like when he actually finds the first body in the window seat, I really really liked that scene. Cause I felt like the, the, the aunts like were playing up like the real innocence of it. And like, what, what do you mean? Like what's, what's weird about that? That's Mr. Haskins. Like it's no big deal. And stuff yeah. like that. It's so hilarious. Cause they're just like, why are you, ha- why are you acting so like yeah. dramatic about this? It's we just, helped, it's like, whatever. Like they, they're like, yes, dear. We know, we know he's there. <laughs> uh, they said, we never dreamed you would peak. <laughs> what else did they say? They're like, uh, the gentleman died because he drank some wine with poison in it. <laughs> Yeah, they were, like, telling him not to be hysterical. They're like, don't be hysterical. I know. It's a dead body. I know, which I do love the spin Uh on that, because, like, women are typically the people portrayed as hysterical in movies, but, like, Cary Grant, the, the... the heartthrob man is the is the yes. hysterical one. Oh, yeah. Um, and they totally are Him like, const- so cool. He was constantly on the phone trying to get a hold of the doctor or the judge or somebody trying to get the papers. And that and sort of towards the end of that scene too, they the ants are talking about how they were taking some neighborhood boy to the movies. It's like the thing that they do, they take him to the movies. And um Aunt Martha, I think, is like Oh, and Junior's not going to drag me into another one of those scary pictures. It's like you're murdering people in your house and yeah. burying them in the cellar. And you're yeah. The movies are what's scary to you. Mom, what were some of your faves? I don't, you know, I have so many. I think one of my, of course, Teddy. Like I said, he's one of my favorite characters. He's just totally lovable and insane but and harmless, basically. But him him blowing the horn and, and yelling charge and running out the stairs and slamming the door... You know, when you were little, you guys used to get mad. <clears throat> Katie, usually. <laughs> and she was a big stomper. Her mm-hmm. rose both. <laughs> and do you know that when you would be stomping up the stairs, your dad and I would be downstairs <laughs> saying, charge, <laughs> waiting for the door to slam. Because you inevitably slam the door. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that was something we have always done. Because it was so, it sort of has a fondness for that, for that moment. Yeah. But I think it's really funny when when the the man comes to ask about renting a room. He's like, no, I never touched the wine, never touched the, the stuff. And they're like, oh, it's elderberry. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, some elderberry. And they pour in the glass. And at that point, uh, Mortimer comes over from being off, uh, getting off the phone, and he's talking about it. And he's pouring a glass of wine. And they're like, Mortimer, not that one. <laughs> and he's like, oh, hello, ladies, ladies, I need this. you know." And they're like, Mortimer, not that and he goes he looks shocked and he puts it down then he looks at the the guy and he screams you know yeah. and the guy drops his glass and he's like do you want to die <laughs> so i think that's just it's just sort of has them all together i was funny too yeah i do like that scene because mortimer's on the phone trying to work out arrangements because he's basically he finds out there's all these bodies in the basement and he's going to pin it on teddy, on teddy. and send mm-hmm. teddy to the sanitarium so that his aunts are like off the hook and he's just gonna convince them to stop killing people because he keeps telling them you know it's not just yeah. wrong it's this is a bad habit you need to stop <laughs> yeah. um but so that's what he's preoccupied doing while they're trying to serve wine to this uh, stranger who's <laughs> come in um 
who they want to kill. And it was an immediate and, thing. So but he, but the thing is, <laughs> he the the man the the strange man is just so like fascinated with what Mortimer's doing on the phone yeah. that he keeps almost taking sips of <laughs> yeah. the wine. And the ants' faces again. They're such great actresses, but they're like they just look so giddy. Like oh, he's, oh, he's gonna, gonna drink it. it. Oh, and he doesn't. Oh. And it's, it's just it's just those kind of subtle things they, is what I appreciate more about this movie than like the. The, the slapstick moments. of it. Sometimes it's, the little some bitty of the, scenes. Yeah, some mm-hmm. of the subtleties, these really when good. When Jonathan kept trying to, you know, him and and, and uh, Dr. Einstein had poured, the, had had the wine too. <laughs> and the same thing, they were I kept trying to get ready to take a drink and then, you know, yeah. it just never happened. <laughs> By the way, where was this movie set? Was it Brooklyn. Chicago? Okay. Yeah, because they, I, I noticed they noticed, they uh, mentioned Indiana, like, uh, several yes, times because uh, yeah. Jonathan killed a couple people in Muncie was it Muncie South or Bend. South, South Bend, Bend yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I was like holy shit is yeah, this like, like set in a Chicago few, a few or... people in Chicago mm-hmm. uh, and w- the last one was in South Bend so that's why they mentioned Indiana a lot because that's you, the last place he was you gotta love a movie that is is basically almost the whole movie is shot in the same spot uh, yeah in the house and yeah. outside of the house I will say like uh, the scenes outside of the house were actually like very pretty like very pretty looking in the graveyard and like the leaves blowing around and stuff. You can so tell the tree is fake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the bark is like the, after, you know, when I was a kid and watched it, you know, you didn't notice that. And then as you get older and it's like, damn, that bark is fake. Well, we are spoiled now. You yeah, know. The, the big TVs and shit. The movies are. Yeah. For sure. But the bark, but the, this, I thought the whole thing, you know, they did a good job with the, they brought in the fans to blow the leaves to really make mm-hmm. it look like it was fall. And that, that had to be hard to do. Did you notice the trick or treat masks and shit? Yeah, like the kids the came mask, in and, and they're handing out <laughs> pies and fruit and all kinds of stuff. Because back then, that's what they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't just candy. It wasn't candy, and the mm-hmm. kids didn't go door to door necessarily all the time back then. Yeah, they actually came up to like the kitchen window. Yeah, um, I remember we weren't home one those time. Those masks were free. <laughs> <laughs> oh they yeah, were. dude, the Halloween masks back then were crazy. I remember one time we weren't home for the trick-or-treaters and the trick-or-treaters were coming to my mom's door and Frank was giving out, like we, uh, he said he was giving out Diet Coke and ramen noodles. <laughs> Packets of ramen noodles. And you noodles. know those kids took it. I would have loved to get soda. Yeah. I would have loved remember that. Remember we had a guy in the neighborhood, he was a Colts player back in the mm-hmm. day when you were little and he gave yeah. out cans of Coke and man, the, you guys came home, you thought you hit the mother All load. buzzed yeah, up. Yeah, we were so happy. <laughs> well, look, mom, a full-size Coke. <laughs> Well, yeah, and you didn't let us have that kind of stuff that often. You no, were, I didn't. Yeah, you were that was a mother's treat. You were Listen, like, look, Halloween got some was, Coke in the house Halloween now. was dad takes you out trick-or-treating. I stayed home and handed out the candy. X-Files. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was scary movie. You always had that stuff, but um, it was all about the 100 grand bars for me. Oh, Rosa's <laughs> mentioned your thievery. I, I was straight well, up. And you, you know, do you know the, the, the poison in the candy and shit. You know, when the boys, I went trick-or-treating with the boys last year, and there was not 100 grand bar in their trick-or-treating bags, and I was really pissed. Yeah, you, they don't come in the big, like, bags that you buy of like mixed candies i looked for them for yeah. myself you almost have to go them. on like amazon and buy them but anyway see i, I always gotta test the <laughs> almond <I> <laughs> with Halloween. but halloween's coming up i yeah. always gotta test the uh, almond joys for poison i, I do love an almond the, joy and a mound about about halloween and then i don't want them again until <laughs> the next until <laughs> the next halloween yeah what were like you would always steal a hundred grand. We we never got a chance to eat those. No. And then dad would steal like Reese's and Snickers and stuff like that, if I remember. Now laters. He loved those. Oh uh, now yeah. He loved the now laters. He 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 liked uh milk duds. 
Oh yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. we used to both steal. Milk I didn't duds. like milk duds, so I didn't mind him taking those. Yeah, you were well, really the worst culprit. There's actually yeah, a home I, video of you stealing uh, candy, stealing my candy. <laughs> yes. because you would get you could get the best reaction out of me because you know well, I was. Yeah, that's you were how greedy. I am. You were a greedy grunt, <laughs> <laughs> and you like basically took like my whole basket. Like, Katie, give me that. You <laughs> gave it back, but still, you didn't do it to Jess and Ross. Well, you guys, you know. <laughs> You were greedy. <laughs> I know you were teaching What was it like, tr- like growing up and trick-or-treating and stuff in the 70s? Like, what was it like doing it in that time? Were you guys, like, out all night and shit? I, I don't remember. It was highly disappointing. I don't remember that after my accident. I don't remember trick-or-treating. Oh, okay. I remember one Halloween, me and two of my girlfriends, it was, like, sixth grade, I think, and we dressed up like uh, hookers. Oh, boy. <laughs> of course you did. $50 bills in our... In our bras oh my and leather jackets. and It know, was so, a different time. Well, we were like leather jackets and, you know, that kind of thing. Tight pants. It wasn't anything, you know, like you hooker hookers. A, you are such a Billy Badass. What year was this? I was sixth grade. Oh, God. You figure that one you out. You were too young to be doing that. But it was a joke. But the, other than that, the only other memorable Halloween is when Dave brought home the big fight. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. my memorable Halloween. Um, you know that the was one with the log and chain. The log and chain. Yeah, we'll have to have Mima on at some point. Yeah, have Mima talk about story. how she runs out and gets on that car, beating the window with a chair leg screaming, "Don't you hurt me!" Yeah, mom and her brothers were like truly wild and feral. Like they would be out doing all kinds of bad shit, and not me. Yes, you. Yes, you I'm were a good girl. <laughs> For those of you who know me, <laughs> yeah, I was a good girl. Our grandma has all kinds of stories about. <laughs> but that is one of the most memorable. And talk about scary. You know, you you got a, a fight, a, a a big old fight with how many guys? Like, seemed like six or seven of them. Yeah, knives and Steve. chains and bats and gun. If you got a gun, get it and all kinds of crazy stuff. It was yeah, something. Dave and Steve are out at a bar, too young to be out at a bar, Dave, causing Dave, fights. Dave and his friend Jimmy Creech. Talking shit, getting knives pulled on them and stuff. Yeah, y'all were bad. Anyway, we're very off track from the yeah, movie. But that was my favorite Halloween. I honestly don't remember uh, trick-or-treating as a kid. You'd have to ask my mom. She'll remember. Yeah. By the way, we were talking about your uh, era growing up and stuff. Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Oh, but absolutely. We're, we're I'm sad to hear that. I yeah, really that, was. that sucked. That was a anyway. big thing. PJ and I always used to remember. We always sit around and what's the who's the best guitar player of all time? Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> And he would say, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, he would say that. I'd be like, I don't, don't discount, you know. Well, Ryan, PJ would Ryan say the May dude from also. Fleetwood Mac and Chip and I would be like, oh. Lindsey Buckingham, man. He, he, oh, God. He this is not going to turn into the best guitarist episode of Horrifying <laughs> My Friends. But anyway. <laughs> so, Travis, before I drop a couple of my uh, favorites, do you have any more that you remember? Not really. Not that I can think of right All now. Right. But I'll drop in a few. Here's two of mine. So... One, and I think it's probably the most striking looking shot. It's after they've turned all the lights off in the house and Teddy has the light on in the cellar. Mm -hmm. He opens the cellar door and he goes to get Mr. Haskins' body out of the window seat to take him down to Panama to put him in the canal. He's a yellow fever victim. That's what Teddy thinks. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he hoists the dead body over his shoulder and like kind of struggles his way and you see him silhouetted there 
uh, with a dead body over his shoulder. And the music is very like, do, do, you know, like very sinister. And how he backs down the stairs. Yeah. And like ominous sounding. And he backs down the stairs. And so like, as you're watching, you're like, wow, like this could be in a horror movie. And then of course you hear the body fall down. Like he <laughs> drops it down the rest of the stairs and then you're snapped back into the comedy. Po- like That's a good of scene. It, you're right. Of it all. But that I think is a really cool looking scene. Um, and if you imagine that happening in real life, like, comedy put the comedy aside like that's very disturbing because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, he doesn't know what he's doing you know which is i think part of the what what's so disturbing to me about it and then another scene and i watched this with travis the last time i watched it and i asked him hey does that scene remind you of anything oh yeah, yeah. so there's a scene where mortimer um of course this is towards the end is the climax is kind of happening and he's telling people like that plays in the plays in the shows the protagonist is always stupidly sitting there while somebody's oh, yeah. sneaking up on them yeah. he's gonna you know and it's so obvious they, how can they not see it coming it's so it's so stupid and he of course that's happening to him in that moment so it's very self-referential and that is very similar to what happens in the movie scream mm-hmm. where is. randy's character is telling about how it happened the, the, <laughs> the typical trope of horror movies and um mortimer is telling the typical tropes of plays mm-hmm. uh and i just think that that is a really fun a that fun a scene. scene it pokes fun at itself i think this movie knows that it and you see johnson's some... face at one point he's listening and then it dawns on him oh yeah <laughs> I, I need to do this but yeah i think those are two uh, of my favorites that we haven't already talked about awesome so i guess let's get final reactions and final ratings okay so these type of movies really aren't my bag per se but i did enjoy this one and respect it for what it was i enjoyed jonathan and uh peter laurie's character quite a bit and i i did enjoy the story like i enjoyed it unfolding and you know the grand the aunts and you know stuff like that so i would give this like a like i said it wasn't my bag so don't kill me too much but i would give this like a two and a half out of five <gasps> i mean that's too harsh it's okay it's your opinion <laughs> mom what do you what would you rate it what are your final uh, you know, thoughts? Well, here's the thing. I've got to look where you guys don't have the reference is I, when I was born. The play was, it was a play first, 1941. The movie was ni- made in 1941. A whole different time then. And I know that it had, it had a lot of the slapstick and the fun because, you know, when p- people needed that then. Mm-hmm. You know, they knew what, what was going on in the world. And I think I have to appreciate that. So the slapstick and all that, I love. I I love the, of course, anything horror, but the 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 whole mental illness part of it, everything involved in it. I have to say, it's probably a four for me mm-hmm. because it's it's. I'm not gonna say it's a five, but I at the same time, I watch it every year. I quote, I still do the quotes from the movie, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it. It's just, I, I also am a Cary Grant fan. Yeah, he's a fox. I'm a Peter Lorre fan. <laughs> so, and, but not not from this movie, from other movies. Mm-hmm. So when you put them together, I, I have to like all of it. Harvey is one of my favorite movies. And of mm-hmm. course, um, Josephine Hull is, is in Harvey. So you, you've got like three or four of my favorite actors in this movie. Boris Karloff, you put him on, you know, type character. I don't know. I just, I have to say it's one of my favorite movies of all time, but I still would give it a four. 
Don't apologize for that. Travis is wrong. Okay, I think he so. is wrong. <laughs> I, think, I, th- I, th- I think he should take into account it was 1941, it was mm-hmm. wartime, and it was based on a play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A play it's, based on a real-life murder. I'm with you there, Mom. I would give this probably like a four, four out of five on its face, but like almost like a four and a half out of five just for nostalgia's sake for me because yeah. this, you did make this a part of my childhood, which I'm really appreciative of. All right. With that, Mom... Travis, thank you for joining me. Oh, yeah, as it, was I host, fun. it was fun. I hosted my second, One of my favorite movies. My second ever Horrifying the Host. This is fun. <laughs> Travis, do you have a book rec for us? So this one is one that I haven't read, but I just got. It's called Night Blood. This is another paperback from hell out of those uh, that line of books that they're releasing. I think this was originally released in like the... Yeah, so 1990 this was originally released. So Night Blood by T. Chris Martindale. Um, As a soldier in the jungle of Vietnam, Chris Stiles learned how to fight against a deadly enemy. Now the war is over, but when his brother is slaughtered in Central Park, Chris finds himself back into action. This time to battle a different kind of foe, an army of the undead. His quest (laughs) for the creature that killed his brother brings him to Isherwood, Indiana, home to 500 people and to one ancient vampire. As all hell breaks loose and the townspeople are turned one by one into blood-sucking monsters, will Chris, will Chris's tactical skills and his arsenal of automatic weapons be enough to stop the vampire <laughs> menace? So I've heard this described as if you've read Salem's Lot or watched Salem's Lot and you wanted more Rambo in it, then to read this book. <laughs> I was going to say, sounds very <laughs> Rambo. I'm, I'm going to tell you what, you, you, that's probably a really good book. Yeah, it's probably fun. I've got, I've got a ton of those. I have like 4,000 books on my nook and a lot of them have to do with all the supernatural. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I'm going to have to give you some references for some of these books because they're really good. For sure. And you got to figure if a book has 31 books in the series... <laughs> It's got to be a good oh, damn yeah. series. <laughs> oh, yeah. So thank you all for listening. If you've made it this far, if you want to engage with us on social media, please do. We are on uh, Twitter at HorrifyingMF. You can also find Travis on Twitter at, what are you this, these days? Captain Creature. Captain Creature. Um, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at HorrifyingMyFriends. Of course, you can check out our website if you want to learn more about us, HorrifyingMyFriends.com. And stay tuned we have we might even have a patreon for you to check out if you want extra bonus content and you want to support us and help us sort of expand our efforts um on the podcast and and continue to improve and 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 bring you better content so uh stay tuned for that you'll find out about it on social media but um, until next time stay spooky bye bye Fine, my friends.